Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the Bible on the importance of God's words. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, look at John 6.63. And here he says this, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Old English word means to make alive. Old English used to say, the quick and the dead, the alive and the dead, quickeneth. He says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, that make a, makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you, not the words in themselves, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Well, what do you mean when they're going through the bed, uh, Sefer and the bed Talmud and they're doing all this and they're doing the, the, the words, what are they doing? They're just words, 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 words of God, words of God, words of God, words of God. That's not life. That's not life. That's not spirit. There's no life in there. What do you mean spirit? It goes back to Genesis when God created man. It says he breathed into him the breath of life. The Spirit of God. God is life. The Spirit of God. And he breathed into him and he became a living soul. And he says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And you did all that and you walked away. You never had life. Why? Because you never heard the words of the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to you. You never did. Why not? Because you won't come to him. Because you've made a precondition that says, Jesus, no. Nothing he can do. Nothing he can do. But so what's important is that as we read the Word of God, as we read the Scriptures, that we hear the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to our hearts. That's important. That's very, very important. We hear. And that's why we have this practice that we like to read four chapters a day, but not just to go like the davening and the reading. I got it right. No, 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 no. We read and say, oh God, my heart's so hungry today. My heart's so thirsty today. If I don't get food, I'm going to die. If I don't get water, I'm going to die. And the food is your voice speaking to me through the word of God. And the water is your voice speaking to me through the word of God. I must hear a a word from you. So we read these four chapters and we're looking and we say, that verse kind of comes off the page at me. That verse impresses me today. That verse makes me think. That's the voice of God. That's the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to you. And you grab it up and you say, I'm going to think about this all day long. And I'm going to chew it. Because it's what I need to live. That's what he's referring to in John 6, 63, when he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, look at uh, John 1, 1. So here it starts off, it talks about in the beginning was the Word. That's a title for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the Word. What a wonderful title that is. Because what is that saying? That's saying that He is the communication from God. What are words? Words are ways that we communicate. We under, I understand what you mean by the words that you say. You understand what I mean by the words that I say. Words are the means of communication. And so when we have the Lord Jesus Christ calling himself the Word, what's it mean? It means that's God's means of communicating with man. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is God's way to communicate with man. The words. And of course, through the words of God. But he is the words of God. He is the communication. The Lord Jesus Christ represents God's conversation with man. God has a conversation with man through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ came, God can have a conversation with man. From what the Lord Jesus Christ says in his Bible, God has a conversation with man. That's wonderful. And so we really do appreciate this term, he is the word, because we understand that that's how we know what God means and what he wants to say through the word. That's God's word. He is called the word of God. And so therefore he says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was, just very simply, the word was God. There's no question about it. And then we go down to verse 4, and it says, in him, in the word, was life. And that's what he's been talking about. In him was life. In him was life. You take the Bible plus the Lord Jesus Christ equals life. You take the Bible without the Lord Jesus Christ, it equals death. Because it's all about Him. And people who are outside the Lord Jesus Christ look at you as you carry around your Bible and, and, and they say, Oh, he's just a Bible man. He's just saying, and he, and he, Why does he love that? Because it's the God of the Bible that's the important thing. It's the God of the Bible. It's Him that gives life. It's not the words, the dead words in and of themselves. It's Him speaking through the words. So in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. What's that mean? The life was the light of men. Light is a, light. Is, light is light. As you see, light is like understanding. So all of a sudden, oh, I understand. What do you understand? I understand that I am created by God. I understand that I am not just created by God, but I'm owned by God. I understand that I have sinned against God, that I have created this separation between me and God because of my sin. I understand that God is love and he wants to eliminate that separation. He wants to reconcile me to himself. He wants to bring us back together. He wants us to have friendship again. I understand that. What is that understanding? That's light. That's light. In him was life, and the life was the light bulb that went on in the mind. And all of a sudden there's an understanding of who I am, of what sin is, of how bad sin is, of who God is. And then that he sent his only begotten son. He sent God the son to die for my sins because he loves me. And I understand that he's calling me to come to him. And I understand that I want to give myself to him because I love him so much and I want to serve him for the rest of my life. I understand that this is the what I should do. And the light goes on because I came to the Lord Jesus Christ through the scriptures and I got life. And the evidence of that life is the understanding, the light of men. Then it says in John uh, 1.11, He came unto his own, referring to the Jewish people. He came unto his own Jewish people. He was Jewish. There was nobody who doubted that. And he came to his own. He came to his own people. And it says, and his own received him not. They said to him, no. They did not receive him as God the Son. They did not receive him as him whom the Father has sent, Messiah. 
They did not receive him as the Lamb of God. They did not receive him as on him our iniquities were laid, according to Isaiah 53. They did not receive him as their atonement for their souls. They did not receive him as the one who made intercession for them. They did not receive him. It says in John 1.11, tragic, tragic, nationally, tragic, culturally for a people, tragic. But that's what it says. His own received him not. But then, in verse 12, but, thank God, but as many as received him, but peppered, sprinkled, here and there, among Canaanites, among Samaritans, among Romans, among Jewish people, as many, peppered, sprinkled throughout mankind. They, heard the, they came to him. They heard the voice of God. They saw the shape of God. They realized that was God. And they received him. They did exactly what the Jewish people as a whole did not do. They said, we receive you as God, God the Son. We receive you as the Lamb of God. We receive you as the Atonement. We receive you as our intercessor. We receive you as the one that our sins are laid upon. We receive you as the one that God the Father has sent. We receive you as the Messiah. We receive you as the King. He says, as many as received him. What happened to them? To them, God says, to them gave he, who? God. To them, God gave power or authority to become something new. To become what? Sons of God. What a title. Sons of God. To them gave he the authority for them to become what they never would ever be in and of themselves. Sons of God. To them, he gave the power to become sons of God. Sons of God. That I could, aren't I a son of God when I'm born? No. <laughs> you're a son of the devil. Because you you're on the wrong side of the track. What Eve sinned? says, put us all the mankind under, under sin. And we're all born in sin. And we're all born the son of the devil. And we're all born the seed of the devil. And we lie naturally. And we think wrong thoughts naturally. And no one has to teach us. Because we're born on the wrong side of history. And that history started in Genesis 3. Actually, there were no births before then. And he says, you receive me. You can take that badge you've got. It says, son of the devil, several seed, and you can throw it away. And now you got a new badge from heaven that said, son of God, sons of God. Because God says, with authority, I give you the power to become sons of God. And it says, even to them that believe on his name. What's the name? The Lord Jesus Christ. What name? Do you believe that name? Break it down. Believe the name, Lord, he's God, God Almighty, God of eternity, God of the universe, God of heaven and earth, almighty, all-powerful God, the, not just Lord, but the Lord, the only God, 
the only God, the Lord. Jesus, Yehoshua, Yeshua, God saves. Je, God, Shua, saves. Je, God, Sus, saves. The one through whom God will save. He's the life ring from God. He's the lifeboat from God. He is God's escape hatch from hell and from all the sin that afflicts us. That's him, Jesus. And then Christ, which is the Greek word for Messiah. And we already talked about that. Sent by the Father. Sent. He is the one who was sent to save us from our sins. And he is God himself, almighty God. That's what's in the name, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that name, if you believe all the implications of that name, the different parts, he is the only one, the Lord, he is God almighty. Jesus, he is the one through whom God saves us from our sins, the only one through whom God saves us from his sins. Christ, he is the Messiah sent from God. You believe all that? He says, you believe that? God says, I'll give you power to become the Son of God. Sons of God. Power, authority to become sons of God because you believe on his name. And then it says, in verse 14, it says, and the word, as we're talking about the word here, was made flesh. Was made flesh. And he dwelt among us. This is what happened. The great word who created the heavens and the earth from Genesis 1-1, from John 1-1. That great word was made flesh. God draped him in flesh. God covered him in flesh, clothed him in flesh. And that's who the Lord Jesus Christ is. God clothed in flesh. God taking off his robes of power and glory and God putting on Clothes of humanity. Clothes of weakness like us. Clothes of flesh, all without sin. The perfect man. The second Adam. What the first Adam should have done. And the word was made flesh. And he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, redundant, full of grace and truth. And when we read the Bible, and we get into the Bible, I don't care whether it's the Old or the New Testament, we, are, we, are, we see Him. And when we're living in the Bible, it is as if He is dwelling among us. And when we see Him there, parting the Red Sea, and we see Him there, wrestling with Jacob all night, And we see him there speaking to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his son. And we see him there bringing down fire on Mount Carmel. And we see him there as a baby where there was no room for him in the inn, in a barn, in a place, laid in a place where animals eat. And we see him there looking on the multitudes and having compassion on them and teaching them And then we see him there going to a cruel cross and pouring out his blood as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can go to heaven. We see all that. What are we seeing? His glory. 
the brightness of His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. And that's who He is. He's the Word. Praise the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Word. And today you talked about John 6.63 where the words that He speaks unto us are as being life itself. Now, how does that work with the Lord? Yes, that's a very, very significant verse in John 6, 63, where he said, it is the spirit that quickeneth or that gives life. The, the flesh profited nothing. And here's what he said. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know, it's, he said that really there's two parts to uh, what he's saying here as to what life is. The first part are the words, but the second part are the words that he speaks to us. Or think of it this way. The first part is the Bible, and the second part is the Bible that he re-speaks to us, the words that he speaks to us out of the Bible. Because the Bible by itself is really described in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, where it says, the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. See, just to take the Bible and to come to the Bible and to say, you know, I love the Bible. It's a great book, but I don't care for the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus, no, Bible, yes. Anything about the Bible except Jesus. See, then you've got a hold of the Bible that kills because it's the Bible plus the Spirit of Christ. The letter killeth, but the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ gives life. It's just exactly the same parallel as you see with God in Genesis 2-7, where it says, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, let's just stop at a certain part of that verse. Let's just take the first part where it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. If you stop there, you picture that. It's God who has bent down, taken the red dust of the earth, and he's formed man out of it. What's he got? He's got a dead piece of clay. He's got us. He's got a, a non-living statue. See, that's a picture of the Bible without the Spirit of God. The Bible without God breathing, so to speak, into it. And now you take the next part of the verse in Genesis two seven, and it says, "And he breathed." into his nostrils the breath of life. See, this is the second part. He breathes into the nostrils of this dead lump of clay, this dead statue that he's formed, and then it says, man became a living soul. See, that's the meaning behind, really, the picture behind John 6, 36, when he says the words... Now, you could almost stop there and say that's like God forming just the statue of Adam himself out of the red clay. Then he says, the words that I speak unto you. That's the second part where he breathes into the nostrils of Adam the breath of life. He says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And that's a third part of Genesis 2-7, and man became a living soul. When does the Bible become a living book to us? It's when we read it 
and the Lord Jesus Christ because we've asked him to. We've surrendered our heart to him. We are his. We've said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And what happens is that as we read something, all of a sudden, there's a verse. There's a part of a verse, and it just comes alive. And we say, oh, my God has spoken to me. What's happened then? Those are the words that he has spoken unto us. What is that to us? That is life, according to John 6, 63. And that's the meaning behind this. And that's why it's so really important to understand when you pick up this sacred book called the Bible, you must pick it up and honor the author by saying, oh, God, speak to me as I open your book. If I don't hear your words coming through these these verses here, if I don't walk away with a nugget of gold after this process, then it'll be dead. It'll be dead to me. I must hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, and then he speaks. That's great. Now, today you also talked about John one twelve and believing on his name. Now, with over 75% of the U.S. population claiming to be Christians today, what is really the biblical evidence of someone really truly believing on his name? I'm so glad you asked that question because, you know, John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's a clue right there, believe on his name. What does it mean? to believe on his name. We've talked about it in the past, but there's another aspect of believing on his name that's very interesting. And it's really, it's interesting because of who said it. It's actually a demon of hell, and it's in Mark 1.24. And this demon of hell says to the Lord Jesus Christ, let us alone, or these are demons of hell, really, What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? Now, get this. I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. See, he said, I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. I mean, it's amazing to think here that here is the demon of hell saying, that he knows who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And he says he's the, he's the, he's the, the Holy One of God. And then, and that passage, he goes on and it says, And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of them, out of him. You see? So he knows who he is. He's the Holy One of God. And what does he do when he knows who he is? He submits to him. Because then when he says, stop talking and come out of the man, he does it. So an evidence of knowing who the Lord Jesus Christ, an evidence of believing on his name is to submit to him. What does it mean to submit to him? It means in in Luke 22, 42, When the Lord Jesus Christ was faced with the eve before going to the cross and dying that terrible death, he said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. 
There was an aspect, a part of his will that did not want her to go to the cross. Who would? And he says, not that will, but thine be done. He yielded. He submitted himself to the Father, to the Father's will to go to the cross. That's the call of God to us in Romans 6.13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. What does it mean to yield? What it means, we all know what it means to yield. We have to do it every day on the road. When two people, when when you and someone else are trying to get into the same lane, you give way, you back down, you surrender your right, you surrender your space in honor and in deference to the other. That's what it means to yield with to God. Did he want to go to the cross? Who would? And he so, but he says that my will will not be. Uh, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's what it means to yield to God. That's an evidence of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and truly believing on His name. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Exodus. Now, are you interested in learning more about the Jewish Messiah? Tom Cantor has compiled a book of 194 prophecy and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ with over 80 pages of Old Testament prophecy and New Testament fulfillment. If you'd like to get a copy of this book, call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051. And we can get you a copy, as well as if you'd like a copy of Tom Cantor's testimony booklet or DVD to help reach a lost Jewish person. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Join us again tomorrow at this same time.